If you have your Bibles, please want you take them out and um, we'll continue with the scripture that we've been studying. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Philippians 2 and verse 1 says this. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. We've been looking at this uh, verse, verse 1, for the last three weeks. Today being the fourth week. And uh, we, we, today we come to the last of the four motivations of unity. Paul was speaking, addressing the Philippians uh, regarding the subject of unity. He says, if any affection and mercy. The first week we learned that there's encouragement in being united in Christ. Being united with Christ. Just being united in, with Christ brings encouragement. You don't even have to try. You don't have to ask. It just brings encouragement. Second week we learned that there's relief that comes from the love of Christ. The love that Christ gives to us as his children and together there's some sort of relief that comes from that. And then last week we um, learned that the Spirit gives us fellowship. There is fellowship of the Spirit. Together we have fellowship as human beings, as children of God. But uh, at, at the same time we have fellowship with he who indwells us, the Holy Spirit. He makes our lives um, livable, if it's, if it's a word. We're able to live for, for God in this world that is broken and dying for Him and Him alone. And this morning, the fourth um, thing we will see is what the last part of the scripture says, that there is affection and mercy in Christ Jesus. So Paul begins this chapter Chapter 2, by encouraging his friends in Philippi about um, unity. Unity, unity, unity. Um, uh, without unity, we are kaput. We are divided. We fall apart. So Paul reminds his, his um, friends in Philippi, as he would, the Holy Spirit would remind us this morning, Redemption Family Church in Kilani Hatton, the churches at large, he would remind us this morning that the importance of unity together, collectively as a family, but also to, to his other Christian uh, friends and brothers and sisters out there. He reminds us of the importance of unity. He gives us some reasons as to why it is super important for us to be united. Why is it important for a husband and a wife to be united? Because men, when they're united, they can take over the world. It might be a little world for them, but it's still the world. And then I made a statement saying that there's a huge difference between union and unity. A huge difference between union and and unity. Two people get married, that's a union, but not necessarily unity, as I said. Two churches can merge, but that may not be unity either. 
that is union, not necessarily unity. And then I made an example. You two, take two cats and tie the, the tails together, flip them over a, a horse line or cloth line, and that is union. <laughs> but it's very far from unity. Unity has to do with healthy relationships and not structure. Structures may help. Structures may aid into bringing some sort of unity. But actually, structure does not bring unity. Jesus Christ, through the indwelling of uh, himself through in us, brings mature, healthy relationships. And then we are united. Yes, you might have differences. And we will have differences. It's healthy to have differences. But Christ says that we need to be united. For united we stand and divided we fall. Michael Eaton, in his commentary on this this book, has a heading there where he says that uh, Paul was appealing for unity toward the Christian church, toward the church in Philippi. And I'm harping on on this unity, unity, unity. It's an important element of the Christian life. So we get to this part where it says, if any affection and mercy. Once again, this if is true. We can translate if as since. So we can put it this way. Since it is true that we have affection and mercy, Paul assumed the the Philippian church, the church in Corinth, all had um, affection and mercy. It was normal for the Christian. It should be normal for you and I to have some sort of uh, mercy, some sort of affection toward each other, some sort of mercy toward each other, some sort of mercy towards the outside world. Paul assumed this to be the normal status of us as Christians. He assumed that we should have concern and love for one another in the congregation, and toward the churches out there. The word affection means tender affection. It's tender, it's, it's special, it's, 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 it's uh, delicate, it's precious. Whether it, it, it expresses itself in love, mercy, or compassion. This term for the, uh, uh, for the seat of our feelings. This is the term... For the seat of our feelings. Affection means the seat of compassion. And mercy simply means mercy. Now of course, when I, uh, when I say the word compassion, I wonder what happens in your heads, in your, mi- in your minds, in your hearts. Or when I mention the word mercy, What happens in your hearts? What happens in your thoughts? Paul assumed that we have both a heart for mercy and that we execute mercy. So this morning, if you're born again, which I know that you are, that you follow Christ for however many years that you've been following Him, how is your state, how is your heart, how is your your, your tenderness to, and, and affection toward each other, toward the world. How merciful are you? Yes, remember, we're in the world, and the world is hard. Calloused world, world we live in. 
But how is your tender heart? Do you execute mercy? See, that should be a normal Christian life. Executing mercy. Having affection for one another. If you have a heart, and if you, your heart expresses itself in mercy, Paul would say, then listen to me. I call for unity. And it's a powerful appeal. If you have mercy, if you have affection, if you believe in what God is doing in your hearts, Paul calls and says, I, I appeal to you that you will be united. Why? For the great work that's ahead. Because when we leave this place, we are faced with a world that's against us. And if we are not united, we will fall apart. Because we cannot walk this road by ourselves. Though sometimes we think we can, and maybe we want to. And that's the whisper of the enemy. You can do this by yourself. No, you can't. You can't. The word says that we need each other. We need fellowship with one another so that we can encourage each other to walk this road. Mercy is subjective. It is um, subjective compassion. As mercy witnesses the misfortunes of others, it is a sense of sorrow for the ills of others. So it's the mercy that God has given you in your heart and you see that others have been uh, treated incorrectly or they've been um, just been labeled, however it plays itself out. How is your mercy component? We, where we stay, we have a, um, um, a situation where we um, have some people who are problematic. And when I say problematic is that they don't like children. They, are, uh, they, they don't like children. They don't like seeing children having fun. They don't like people being in, in freedom. And um, they are selfish. They want their own ways and their own rules. And as I look with the kids playing around, I think to myself, where is the mercy? How can you not let the kids play? How can you be so grumpy that you don't want people to enjoy life? And then mercy just overwhelms me. And then I realized Jesus said that, you know, remember the disciples would say to, to, to Jesus or to the kids, no, 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 don't, don't, don't come close to him. He's busy. He's busy. Can you not see he's Jesus? He's important. Jesus says to him, no, 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 don't chase them away. Let them come to me. Let these ones who have no uh, sense of, um, cannot, cannot hold themselves up. They cannot defend themselves. Don't chase them away. Bring them to me. And today it's the same for us. We look at our kids and we have to fight for them. We look at the world that is de de depressed, deprived of the things that God has. We have to stand up and have mercy uh, for these people. We do. See, as the Lord Jesus, um, when he saves a soul, a soul that's hard, cruel, a person who's just so callous. Jesus comes and convicts them, woos them unto himself. Then suddenly something happened. That person now becomes a person who has the capacity to be kind. A 
capacity to be gentle, our capacity to be loving. And so I wonder, this particular person that we're having issues with, uh, in, my, in all honesty, I, I don't really want to pray that she gets um, saved. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. But I know that I'm so, uh, the, the compassion in me, the mercy, actually it's not her. It's not that person. It's not him. It's the enemy's tricks. It's him doing all the evil work that he's doing to bring division. And so my call is to pray, is to pray for this person, to pray, Jesus, have mercy upon this person. This person knows no best, doesn't know better. They think that they do, but they don't. And the only way that that person who's calloused, the person who's angry, the person who has such um, a desire to see people getting hurt, the only way that that, that person can change is not through culture. Culture can't change them. It's not through the government, not through rules and regulations. Dare I say it's not even through the church. Structures. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. This name that we sang about this morning, only He can break through into the hard calloused hearts. This is the man who's able to part the seas. If he can do that, what more can he do? And our encouragement is to forever pray and trust him for these people to change. And so Paul encourages the churches to live in unity. This morning Jesus would encourage us to live in unity. Would encourage us to live in, with unity with each other and with the church at large, the Christians at large. Paul would say that their rivalries, these Christians, their ambitions, their attempts to outclass each other are only a matter of pride. So, me trying to be better than you in some ways, it might just be a, a root cause of pride in me. I want to look better than you. Oh, no, it seems as I'm, I'm good. Paul says, no, 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 no. God will oppose you and I if we live that way. Let us abandon self, our self-centered ways and get back to being brothers and sisters in loving unity. Of course, I don't speak as though there's disunity in this church, just so you know. Uh, there is unity here. I love you guys. But um, this is for the church at large. And remember, the, the enemy comes and he plants those seeds. He speaks those lies. And he plants a little something. Oh, you're better than that. Or you can do that. Oh, that person thought of that. Or oh, they said that. Did they really say that? That's confusion. He brings confusion. And we have to be aware of this, these things. And as we are aware of these things, it causes us to Repentance. Repentance and changed attitudes on our part. Now that's probably one of the hardest things for you and I as humans. Is to repent. To say I am wrong. To say I am wrong is probably one of the hardest things. Well, certainly for me. But Jesus calls us to repent. To realize we're wrong. And say I'm sorry I'm wrong. I'm wrong. 
And then help me to change my attitude that I can be united with my friends. And as I'm united, then be able to pursue the peace of God, the love that He's given to us. And as we do that, so it also pursues us. And like I said before, we've read self-help books, we've done all sorts of things to try and make ourselves better. And there's nothing wrong with, with those things. But we can only experience God's mercy through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we cannot understand what mercy looks like. We cannot. Without Jesus, you cannot help a person who has hurt you have mercy upon them and love them back. You cannot. But you see, He is our high priest, our great high priest. It is out of His fullness that we find every need met. This morning, can you believe, can you actually confess that it's true, that every need in your life is met in Jesus Christ? And when I say that, I know I'm thinking, well, what does it mean? Uh, all my needs are not necessarily met, but I, I will challenge myself and say, but actually maybe your perception of your needs being met is different to what Jesus has for us. I might think my needs should be met this way, but Jesus says, no, that's not the way. I've got a better way. Follow my way and accept me for who I am. I know. I know. When we feel dry, which happens for all Christians, we feel dry and dead in some ways, Jesus is our life. Jesus is our freshness. He's the one who comes and rejuvenates us. It's Him who, who gives us life again. Remember when you were saved, those early days, how excited you were, and then as you carried on, so it dwindled. The way to get that revival is through Jesus Christ. He is the one who restores our souls. When we are in trouble, it is Jesus, our great high priest, that we go to. We were just having a conversation this morning with Henrik and Wiz, and um, we were just concluding what the, uh, we, some nuggets. There's a, there, there was um, a, a call for someone who was looking for help. And uh, they, they reached out and said, well, you guys have been, you've come, you've prayed, uh, but I've got more, more, more issues. Please, would, would, you come, would you help me? And um, we, as, as I was just chatting to them, my, first, my immediate thought is, okay, well, firstly, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to tell you I'm going to pray for you. Um, but then maybe you actually need to uh, go and pray physically for this person. And my very well, is it astute brothers, re, through the Holy Spirit this morning, re, actually reminded me that actually sometimes, yes, we must pray, but extra, actually we need to ask Jesus how to help this person. Because sometimes us being plain Jesus actually causes more damage than it ought to. John 14 speaks about the, the, the branch, you know, as it bears fruit, 
God wants to prune us so that we can bear more fruit. Sometimes that branch doesn't want to be, be um, pruned. And we, it's our responsibility as, as those who God has called to ask God to help us. How do we handle this situation? Do I actually love on you? Do I have mercy? Where, uh, and the example that um, the guys use is like sometimes when you're, people are needing help, financial help, for instance, and you know you can, but in the back of your mind, you know that if you help financially, you're actually putting them in a worse-off situation. How then? How do you, then do you express mercy to that person? We need, we need wisdom. <laughs> That's why it's nice to be together. The fellowship of believers, because one, uh, one sharpens the other. One iron sharpens the other. I encourage you. You encourage me. I challenge you. you encha- together we move forward. It's from him, Jesus Christ, that we receive mercy. From him, supremely, we get help in time of need. He is our righteousness. When we feel guilty, he is our sanctification. When we feel unclean, he is our final redemption. The one who is willing to bring us to glory. This is the Jesus that we serve. And so for you and I, this morning, you who have come to know Christ can extend affection and compassion and mercy toward each other and toward others. Knowing Christ, who produces affection, who produces compassion and mercy, is the reality of being a true Christian. And since you have become a Christian, no doubt you have sensed a new capacity to extend mercy. Have you? over your Christian life? Have you felt uh, an, a, a greater capacity to extend the mercy that God has given you? If that's true, and that you have felt this great capacity to extend your, your, your mercy, to whom is your mercy extended to? To whom is your mercy extended to? We're talking about compassion because there's compassion and mercy in Jesus Christ. There's affection and mercy in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and I'm going to just paint a picture in your mind's and then we're going to do some business extending mercy to a lost and dying world. I want you to imagine, think of your closest unsaved, perhaps family member, perhaps your sister, perhaps your brother, perhaps your husband, 
maybe your wife, I don't know, your, your mom, your dad. Your ch- think about those who are close to you. Maybe it's uh, people, friends from high school or primary school, people who are dear to you, but you know that they're not saved. They do not know this mercy. They do not know this compassion or this affection. Think of those people right now. And as you're thinking of them, think of them being in an island by themselves. In an island. You're not there, but you can see them there. In an island that looks so wonderful. They're living the life. They're living the life. It looks good. They've got money. They've got the pleasures of this that the world has to offer. Pleasures that the world has to offer. But they're in an island. And then as you, as you look outside on the borders of, the, of this island, you see fire. Fire. Like the sea uh, around the, an island. You, instead of seeing water, you see fire. And this fire is eating away at this island. This fire is eating away at this island. And you remember that your father, your mother, your daughter, your son, your friend is on this island having a whale of, that, of, that, uh, of, of life, having a good time. They are none the wiser. They do not know. But you can see the danger that this fire is coming closer and closer. Closer and closer. And then your heart starts getting moved with sorrow and compassion and mercy. And you just want to, want to extend your affection upon these friends that you had. Friends who do not know the glories, that, the life that you lead. gets closer and closer starts burning up the island from each corner yet your friends who are having a good time do not know cannot see cannot experience it they are lost they are blinded cannot see what's happening outside of this island but you can and this is what then Jesus says to you in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 he says God, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart. And so God gives you his heart. You want to reach out to your friends. You want to, you, you want to extend your mercy, your affection to these friends who cannot see, who are blinded. And this morning... As you have that picture in, in, the, in, in your minds, you know who they are. You know who they are. Let's together extend our mercy and our love and our compassion and our affection toward them this morning. They're in a prison, a prison that looks so good, a prison that does not look like a prison. But you can see that they are. 
I do not know that time is running out. And what are you to do? You've reached out. You've, perhaps you've had pressure. Maybe you need to preach the gospel to them in words. I don't know. I don't know. But this I know. That as they're having a good time and you can see the fires starting to consume the island and it's getting closer and closer, there's only one way that these people, your friends, your family can be rescued. As if Jesus extends his hand and has mercy over them. So we are called to pray for them. To pray for them. To pray for them. So where you are, we're going to spend time just praying for these people, your friends, your family, you know them. And we're going to ask God, we're going to thank God for His mercy, and we're going to ask Him the mercy that He had upon us, that He would also extend it to them. Because it's not right that our friends, our family will be doomed forever. It's not right. It cannot be right. But God calls us to intercede for them this morning. Enough of the rivalry. Enough of the pettiness. Enough of looking at, each, at, at one another. But now we need to actually extend our affection, our mercy, and our love toward those who are lost and call out to the King of Kings. So let's do that. You're welcome to stand. You can continue sitting. And I would invite you to pray with me. Pray with me. And ask God to have mercy over our friends, that, they, that you know, uh, the revivals that I've read about all started from a place where people were praying, calling out to God. Let that be true of us here this morning. That we pray for those who are lost, our family, our friends, those we do not know. So that revival can take place and God can receive His glory.